2: We're looking at some of the most relevant news items and the top tight end performances of the last 20 years on Rotoviz viz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Some interesting news items in the world of sports as well as the world at large. We're gonna talk about some of those more interesting NFL-related news items tonight. But more importantly, Matt, how are you doing?
1: Uh still have the lingering cough, which uh, you know, takes on a whole new meaning uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks. I'm probably without corona, uh just yep. lingering cough. But uh yeah, you know, you, you start to think just a little bit more about uh about
2: your health and about the world in general. Yes, for sure. So before we look at the top tight end performances of the last 20 years uh there are a couple of news worthy items i want to mention first Tannehill signs a substantial deal with tennessee his agent did superb work how do you feel about the move though from the tight ends point of view from the oh sorry that's funny i thought you said the tight ends
1: instead of tight Oh, Uh, yeah so i don't know i mean uh i think it's fine So I like, let's kind of walk through some thought exercises here. Um, They have the ability to get out of the contract with relatively little damage. If uh, they cut him, I believe in February, like, you know, shortly after the season ends, I think he would have to perform really poorly, like incredibly poorly in order for the Titans to do that. Um, and so I guess the question is, like, kind of what are the odds of that happening? Um, but the thing is, if, uh, if he's just sort of mediocre, then they're stuck in the contract, I think, for at least a couple of seasons after that. So then there's a question of, like, well, why didn't they just franchise him? Um, but I think the idea is that he he was probably unlikely to perform bad enough for them to know for sure that they wanted to get out of the contract within a year and maybe it's friendly enough for them to uh to think about like the upside of the contract where if he does well it's better to lock him in long term now than lock him in a year from now where he will be even more expensive so i, I guess it makes sense in the end i'm i'm fairly neutral on it
2: yeah, I mean, I think I'm more or less in, in the same place as you. Obviously, I think for him it, it worked out really well. As far as the players um in Tennessee go, particularly AJ Brown, um, if anybody's unaware, Delaney Walker has officially retired, uh, making Janu Smith the guy at tight end. And of course there's Corey Davis. Um are you feeling good about their prospects with Tannehill? I mean, in my perspective, I really don't think that um, there's other moves they could have made that would have radically changed my perspective of what I'm expecting them to do in 2020.
1: Uh, I think the weapons around Tannehill are fine. You know, like I guess there's just the question of how much do they regress offensively um, if they stick to the the run oriented style that they have. So. Yep. um Can they continue to run the ball effectively? Uh, And then do they take a step forward in the passing game with uh, like Johnny Smith developing a little bit, (coughs) sorry, with Johnny Smith developing a little bit more with uh, Corey Davis, you know, potentially developing a little bit. And then really with AJ Brown emerging as like a locked in star, like does he, he was already great as a rookie, but does he take like another step forward and then just become a dominator? As a second year player, Um, I think there's there's room for Tannehill where even if he regresses in his efficiency, um, maybe they pass the ball a little bit more and, uh, you know, like the players around him still improve uh, so that even if he's not as good, like the offense as a whole continues to perform at a pretty high level.
2: Fair enough. The other quarterback I want to talk about is Tom Brady. We now know that Tennessee is not going to be an option for him. Reports are that things have now been narrowed down, excluding any major surprises to New England and Tampa Bay. Uh, do you think that if Tom Brady goes to Tampa, we see a radically different team? Uh, or do you think that... um? You know, we see Chris Godwin, Mike Evans still having solid seasons, but in terms of wins and losses, uh, does Tampa Bay not really take a big step forward if Brady is under center for the Buccaneers next year? I think they take a pretty big step forward, actually, because I think
1: they were really just uh, a quarterback away. You know, like as as good as Winston was from a fantasy perspective, um, he absolutely killed the team with his propensity to turn the ball over. And the defense did get better as the season progressed. They already, like, we know what they can do offensively passing the ball. If they had a quarterback who was just a little bit better at taking care of the ball, um, I think Brady could actually be something pretty close to what he was two or three seasons ago, um, given the pass-catching weapons that he has uh, or would have in Tampa Bay. And uh, given also, I think, the flexibility that he would have... um, with Bruce Arians as his head coach, you know like Arians historically has had the offense where he's very aggressive attacking downfield, but like he's also had the reputation of being like very open-minded in terms of how he uh structures his offense around his quarterbacks and like being very collaborative with his passers. Uh, And I think that's something that uh, Brady would actually really like. And that's not to say that he doesn't have that now with Josh McDaniels, because I think he probably does, but I think it would just be different. And, you know, like Arians as, as good of a play caller as Josh McDaniels is like Arians is like known, like for his work with quarterbacks. I think that's something Brady would actually like to have near the end of his career. Like, someone who's just seems like to get quarterbacks and pretty quickly could build something that works with Brady. Um, so I could, I could actually see it happening. Um, I have, okay. So let's see, like the news broke, um, was it February 27 when, uh, I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Seth Wickerson, but it was like one of the other ESPN guys who said that he would be shocked if, uh, if Brady returned, to the Patriots. It was Jeff Darlington. Uh, and so mm-hmm. at that time, uh, you know, Brady's odds plummeted to return to the Patriots. And so at one sports book, I bet on Brady to return to the Patriots at minus one Oh five. Uh, and then kind of kept on thinking about the situation for a little bit. And last week, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday. I bet on Brady to go to the bucks at uh 12 to one. Wow. So yep. I kind of don't care so much where he goes uh i mean i i hope much more that he goes to the bucks (laughs) than he goes to the patriots because i'll (laughs) you know i'll win more but you know I, i feel like i i had a decent read on the situation the 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 value in the market now has kind of been sucked out of it where like the bucks at this point i think are like plus 200 to sign brady um but i think it probably is one of those two teams but one more question here like yep I know people are just sort of locking in Philip Rivers for the Colts, but like, what about Brady to the Colts? Like you can get that at 40 to one. And I still think it would make some sense for him to go there. They have the best offensive line or one of the best offensive lines in the league. Um, They have a good head coach in Frank Reich. Um, You know, they have, I think a decent enough wide receiver in T.Y. Holton to be his number one guy. Um, You know, they have some other players around him I don't know. Like, I think that could work.
2: I th- I suppose that, yes, it could work. Maybe it puts him in a slightly better situation than he would be in New England. A different situation for sure. I think, though that that just seems to lack that excitement factor like if i'm brady am i really that excited about making that move like i think the allure of mike evans and chris godwin is really what would push him there and then you add in bruce arians some of the potential that you could see on that team um but i don't know it, it really goes back to for me who knows what goes through the mind of tom brady but i guess that is a fair fair point to bring up the colts um let, let's just take this one step further though and then you can go back to the the brady side if you're interested in it. uh philip rivers in new england how ugly uh is that or do we see a little bit of resurgence from rivers
1: uh man i don't think they would want rivers um he's i don't think so he's either because it's kind of like what's the point he's 34 yeah. to 1 to uh to sign with the patriots and i just i guess it could sort of ha- i just don't see it you know like i think they would rather go with Jarrett Stidham or, I don't know, uh, maybe try to trade for Andy Dalton or try to sign Teddy Bridgewater. Like I just kind of yeah. don't see the point in signing Phillip Rivers.
2: I actually think as far as the veterans go at this point, the most likely non-Brady option for New England is probably Andy Dalton. He feels to me like a player they would, they would be okay with bringing in and having run the offense at least first season or two. Yeah, I could totally see that. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts back, going back to Brady, though, before we take a quick break here?
1: No, I mean, I think at this point, the market is pretty much uh, where it should be in terms of like where Brady is going to sign the odds on the market. So probably not much to bet on now. But I, I do think like he probably will not sign with the Colts. But I still think at 40 to one, there's a little bit of value there. Because let's say um, the Bucks like they want someone else, you know, let's say like, they just decide they actually want Jameis Winston or maybe they want Philip Rivers or whatever it is. Maybe they just kind of think we like Brady as a person. He doesn't fit our offense and they go somewhere else. And then for Brady, it's New England or Indy. And let's just say he's kind of decided, you know what? I don't want to go back to New England. Like at that point, I think it's the Colts because I don't think he wants to go to any of the other teams that would want him like the Chargers, the Raiders. I just don't know why he would want to go to a team that has a bad offensive line Or has john gruden as a head coach
2: yeah (laughs) definitely fair points um we are gonna cover the new cba agreement though which is maybe the biggest piece of news of the day but before we do that we have a quick uh message from our sponsor bet online with currently no nba nhl or college basketball you might think that there's nothing to bet on Well, you would be wrong. BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online sports aren't totally done There's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise if you're into entertainment you can still bet on american idol the elections the spelling bee and even the nathan's hot dog eating contest which i will 100 percent be doing be sure to use your promo code blue wire to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit again that is blue wire to receive your 50 welcome Bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. All right, Matt, what do you think of the CBA and the new 17 game regular season, which uh is pre- presumably like two or three years away?
1: Yeah, uh, I hate the 17 game season, but Me too. other than that, uh, I don't hate the CBA. Um I think it's yep. it's really friendly to the guys who uh make less money in the league. Um you know they have higher minimum salary and stuff so I think all that is good. Um I don't hate the restructuring of the playoffs uh for their like now to be seven teams with one team getting a bye in each conference like I'm kind of just whatever on it. Um it makes it much more important for a team to uh get the number 1 seed which I think that's kind of cool. Uh, like now there's yep. a, a significant difference between being the number one and the number two seed. Um, you know the number seven team sneaking into the playoffs. Ah, I, I, I don't really care. Like I, I think that's you know is a, a team that's likely to be not very good. So I really don't care if that team makes it in. But you know whatever. There's another game of action for uh you know wild card weekend on each day, and you know that's kind of nice. Um, other than that. I, you know, I'm just sort of like, whatever, you know, like those are, those are the big points. And I guess it's nice. And this kind of goes along with the, the players, you know, in at, at the bottom of the organizations getting paid more money, uh, players in general are getting paid more money. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's nice. Uh, you know, they're the guys who, you know, like none of us are like really excited when the camera, you know, goes to Jerry Jones, you know, it's like, Oh, <laughs> I love that guy. You know, like we care about the players. And so I think it's nice when the players uh, make more money because they really are the guys who are laying their bodies on the line.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with that portion of it. Um, There are odd kind of incremental changes of of adding the one extra game and adding the one extra wildcard game. It kind of almost feels like what's the point? Yeah. But I mean, I I guess I'm not going to complain. I actually will say, though, I think if they'd added like five or six games to the season, I really would not have liked that um, because it's almost kind of like what makes the NFL so great is the scarcity. I'm not sure where we actually go over the laugher curve, Um, if you will. We're, you know, like um, we're actually detracting from my perceived value of the fact that there's so few games. Um, But I mean, I, I guess I don't hate it. It just did kind of seem to me, I guess the point really just comes down to money from a actual playing perspective. I'm not sure that it changes a whole lot. Yeah. I mean,
1: I wish it would have gone to 18 games if we're being honest, just so it's easier right. to kind of calibrate like 17 games. Yep. It's just such a weird number. And yep. you know, each team now has an uneven number of uh, home games and road games. Like, I think that's weird. I don't know. Like, I just, I wish it would be uh, 18. Yeah. Um, so well, uh, and now and I should say now we have to recalibrate like mentally, like all of our expectations of like a thousand
2: yard season. It doesn't mean yep. what it used to, you know, exactly. You know, yep. so anyway, and, and I think um, the, the f- absolute first thought that I had was now there's going to be extra work that I have to do when dealing with stats and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I actually this is going to be this is a huge pain in the ass, actually. Yeah,
1: it, it is like I, I, I'm with you.
2: Because like now, like every code that I have that's set to strip out like week 17 and on needs to get updated and it, it, it's very annoying. I'm, I'm, I'm not pleased with it, but um, let's talk tight ends, Matt. Everyone's favorite topic. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. All right. If you are interested out there in knowing the best tight end season uh, from a fantasy perspective of all time. I'm going to assume that everybody knows who it is, um, but Matt, let's ask, well, you've, have you reviewed the list yet? No. I sent it over right before the show, so I'm assuming you <laughs> haven't. No, I mean, I, I, okay, I see you sent it. I haven't looked at it yet. That is perfectly fine. If you had to guess, who would you say it, <laughs> is the owner of the best tight end season that we've ever seen in fantasy? Well, I
1: would assume it's either uh, Rob, Gronk- Rob Rob, Rob, Rob <laughs> Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham, and I would yep. I would lean towards Gronk. But I, like, I feel like there was a time where Graham was super close.
2: Yeah, so it, it is Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, 2011, 331 points, followed by Jimmy Graham in 2013 at 304. Do you want to venture a guess on who number three is? And it is not a trick question where it's Gronk or Graham again. It, it is a different player.
1: Uh, Kelsey,
2: 2018. Yeah, that's right. Kelsey 2018 with 297, followed by Graham in 2011 with 296. Then Zach Ertz 280 in 2018. And 2009 is a very fun one. Or excuse me, number seven comes from 2009, but is a very fun one. Uh, This is, as we mentioned, Jeff Garcia last week. Younger listeners may not even be aware of this player. 2009. uh, I can't even. Tony Gonzalez. That's a great guess, but it's not. It's Dallas Clark. Oh, wow. I was not expecting to see that name on this list. Then followed by Tony Gonzalez in 2004 with 270. Tony Gonzalez in 2011 with 267. Gronk in 2014 with 266. Tony Gonzalez with 262 in 2008. And then uh, you see Antonio Gates. Oh, yeah. Travis like t- Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Gates. Yeah, it's yep. like I totally forgot
1: Antonio Gates existed as we were talking about this.
2: Yeah, there was a stretch where Antonio Gates was an absolute stud yeah. at the tight end position yeah. in fantasy. Um, so those are the top names. Now, if I were to ask you what you think the trend looks like in terms of the number of top 100 finishers fit, going from 2000 to 2019, do you expect that we're moving up? Like, you know, where would you think that we are right now in that oh, historical that's, context?
1: That's a good question. Uh I, okay, so I would sort of expect that it's uh dominated by a relatively small number of players, so that like yep. Gronk has a ton of seasons, uh, Tony Gonzalez has a lot of seasons, Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, uh Antonio Gates, uh, probably Jason Witten, um but uh, yeah, I would expect it to be almost kind of even.
2: Yeah, it it kind of is. So you reach a point in two thousand four where we jump up to getting like between six to eight players uh, per season that runs through about 2015. And then actually we've been dropping down. Now we're closer to being below six, the last couple of seasons. Um, but it doesn't look like when you look at these numbers, there's really any change. That's really worth speaking of maybe going back to like 2004. Uh, we're just not at the peak of it that we would have seen back in the 2013 type of time frame. um, and I'm inclined to say that this is one of those things that's going to hold. I think something people might be concerned about is as teams start to utilize more receivers, do we see fewer tight ends being usable? Um, I do think that's a possibility. I'm not sure that I really care though.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's maybe just dependent on the actual players that you have, um, because you know, I don't know, like these guys are such like uh matchup. Like nightmares to where if you have a, a talented tight end who can, you know, play in the running game as a blocker, but then who's, you know, like great as a route runner, um, can match up against linebackers, safeties, you can split them out wide. Like that guy you have to give playing time to. Um, yeah. But those guys don't come along all that often. It just seems like right now we have a decent number of those guys in Zach Ertz and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, like if we're going to sort of, I think the trends are basically just determined on how many of those guys you have in the league at any moment.
2: Yeah. I actually think that's a pretty fair point. So now the players from 2009 that found their way into this listing, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, exciting to see him th- already making 2019, his way into this list. right? Sorry. Yeah. 2019. Yep. Yep. Misspoke Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Travis Kelsey. All uh, of those names that I just read, which player are you most concerned about heading into next season? Oh, most concerned about, um,
1: ah, uh, that's kind of a hard one. Like it is a hard maybe, one. I may. Okay. Uh, man, I don't want to say Mark Andrews, but you know, like there's a chance that that offense regresses. Uh, but I, I still like Mark Andrews. I would say Darren Waller, um, because he was just so, so central to what uh the Raiders were doing last year, but like they just didn't really have a wide receiver. Like if they draft a wide receiver this year, um, you know, like I don't know, if they run the ball a little bit more. Like there were some games last year where Darren Waller just disappeared, especially in the second half of the season.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, I think he's the one I would maybe be most cautious about, but also Austin Hooper, in part because like we don't we don't know where he's going to be. I, yeah, I don't know. I've never really been all that high on Hooper to begin with.
2: Um, I can definitely see that point. Um, but I do feel like to some extent where Hooper ends up, he's probably going to be made a priority. Uh, which is why if I had to choose, I would probably go with Waller. Um, because like you said, we can see a couple of shifts in how that team functions, and then you know we're not looking at nearly the type of outcome that we would have had last year. Um here's an interesting thing, Matt. There are very few players in this listing that have multiple um, entries. Tony Gonzalez, 13 times in the top 100. Antonio Gates, nine. Uh, Our good friend Rob Gronkowski is in there five times. Travis Kelsey, six. Vernon Davis, four. Zach Ertz, four. They were the only players that went more than three times, which is actually pretty... uh, pretty amazing. So one of my other takeaways as I look at this list is trying to find tight ends that actually do repeat having special seasons is is a hard thing to come by.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think if we're looking forward, uh, like I think obviously the guys, you know, like you mentioned, like Ertz, I think will continue to have multiple seasons, Kelsey as well. But, uh, you know, Kittle has two such seasons. I think, you know, he has a long career ahead of him where he adds multiple entries to this list. Uh, Mark Andrews, I think as well. Like, maybe I'm just way too optimistic on him, but I think he's a star.
2: Yeah, I know you've been saying that for a while. And see, my I always liked Andrews as the player. I was just worried about Lamar Jackson as the passer, which I was clearly, clearly wrong on. Um, I guess let, let's take this a step further, though. Right? If we are in dynasty in a dynasty league now, at this point. Um George Kittle I think makes a strong case for having ascended to being the number 1 option. Yeah. Are you still taking Ertz over Andrews in a dynasty league? I think I think we've had this
1: conversation before. We I probably I I want have. to uh yeah. see if I can quickly pull up my my dynasty rankings here, but um no, like I think I'm I'm going with uh I think I'm going Uh, one second. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Pulling stuff up. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going with, uh, Mark Andrews. I I think I honestly would have him as my number three guy behind, uh, behind Kelsey as the number two guy. And honestly, like I would maybe want Tom, I mean, uh, Mark Andrews as my number two guy. Like, I know that, I I know that sounds crazy, but he's already had a fantastic season. Uh, and he's just 23, you know, or like turning 24 this year, not yet 24, um, you know, had a fantastic season without even having a hundred targets. Like, I think he's going to have more targets next year. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I could see a universe where like in a year from now, we're like, oh yeah, Mark Andrews easily above Travis Kelsey, you know, like Kelsey is, he's not like ancient but he's getting older you know like andrews is still ascending
2: well we i mean i think we naturally should see in the next i mean there's no way around it unless andrews turns out to not be what we expect i mean in the next four to five years we have to see a tipping point where it becomes very firm that you'd want to go andrews not kelsey i'm assuming although kelsey is playing with patrick mahomes in a terrific offense
1: yeah i mean that's that's fair um It's hard, it's hard not to like Kelsey. I just, you know, like at some point he's going to tail off and, you know, like I think Andrews is still
2: ascending. So if you're in a dynasty league and you own Travis Kelsey and somebody offers you Mark Andrews and it's straight up Andrews and Kelsey, you are pulling the trigger and taking Andrews? Not, I don't think yet. I don't think I'm doing it yet. But
1: if they wanted to throw something in, then I would probably do it. And part of it would depend on, uh, like, what is my window? Like if I'm competing for a championship right now, I think Kelsey this season probably has a better season than Andrews does. Okay. So I would, yeah. I would lean towards Kelsey in that situation. But if I'm looking more towards the future, then I think pretty easily I want Andrews.
2: Okay. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a particularly radical answer. Um, Seeing as I really don't think that there was too much to even highlight as far as these top tight end performances go because it's concentrated over so few players. Um, Talk to me about the young tight ends in the league, specifically Noah Fant, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and Irv Smith Jr. of uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Given what we saw last year, do you foresee um, any way that Smith gets into this uh, top 100 type list, or is it really just Hawkinson and Fant that we're still excited about?
1: Uh, No, I mean, I think Smith flashed at points um you know it's just he's having to split opportunities with kyle rudolph and uh i think you know rudolph will probably still be around for another year uh, although that's not for sure but um i don't think smith gets there this year but i think eventually he could be you know like he was drafted in the second round and he was 21 years old as a rookie was a i think a five-star recruit to alabama you know like a a, a an impressive guy So, I think eventually he flashes in the NFL. He would have to kind of be the outlier not to do so. Um, But yeah, Fant and Hawkinson, both of them, uh, I think, you know, I don't know. I I think they both have very good chances of making the list at least once and probably multiple times. It's hard to say which one I would lean towards. I liked Hawkinson a little bit more coming out, but uh, Fant certainly held his own as a rookie.
2: Yep. Um, I agree with that. I think it's really hard to determine at this point, um, who will have the better career, although I do think that you could point to some encouraging signs for all three of those players really, uh, though in specific Fant and Hawkinson, um, you know, I I have a, I have a question here looking at
1: a couple of older guys who I think made the cut in 2018, but didn't do it in 2019. And okay, so the, like the question is, do they bounce back? And, um, the two older guys, one is Jared Cook. And I think he, yep. he was impressive enough in 2019 anyway, but just didn't quite make the list. The other is the guy who was fantastic in 2018, but regressed. And then now we don't know where he's going to be. And that's yep. Eric Ebron.
2: Yep. Um, Gosh, I don't see Ebron outside of landing in the absolute perfect situation, making his way back into the list. I mean, I think that season that he had in 2018 was pretty aberrant in that he was able to just compile so many touchdowns in an offense that was really kind of hamstrung into operating largely through him. Um, You know, the other tight end on the team even could have taken away a lot of targets had he not been hurt. Why does his name escape me right now? Jack Doyle. Um, Thank you, yeah. Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle was a, play, a go-to player of mine on a lot of teams when I just needed to fill somebody in. Um, and it just doesn't seem like that that season is really anything that has been um, representative of his career. So I think that Cook um, is much more well-positioned to have another really strong season. Um, although I actually don't know how much longer he's supposed to, to be in new Orleans do you know anything about his contract
1: he's still there this upcoming season
2: okay if he's still there I would say his odds are much better than Ebron I also think that he overall is a better uh player than Ebron do you disagree uh I don't I don't
1: disagree but like Ebron does have two seasons of over 700 receiving yards you know so like even in 2018 when he had 13 touchdowns he still had 750 receiving yards like that's a pretty good chunk you know Um, so if he scores, you know, a, a reasonable number of touchdowns, let's say like five to eight, like that still puts him as a, you know, top six, top eight tight end in the league. Here's a, here's a question to sort of wrap this all up. Let's say that Brady returns to new England and they sign Eric Ebron. How, how hard are you about Eric Ebron at that point?
2: I think that is one of those, what I would consider like fantastic situations where we could see things change. Yeah. Um, because we know that team's proclivity for using the tight end. We know that it's something that you have to imagine they really want. And with the other receivers there, I don't think that, um, there are many players that could compete with Ebron for the role in which he would be utilized. So that would be a really solid situation for him. Um, can I go back to Jared Cook? Jared yeah. Cook quickly though. Yeah. I want to point this out. In 2019, he went for 5.7, 4.5, 1.7, 5.1 points to start the season. Every single week after that, he was a tight end one. So he ended the season with 71 uh percent of weeks being a tight end one. That is a pretty encouraging sign. Yeah. Yeah, I think he gets back on this on this top 100 list. All right. I love it. Um, On that note, we will close down. We are going to be back later in the week looking at wide receivers. Uh, Some actually very interesting things that we're going to be able to talk about relating to wide receivers in the top 100 performances. Best part is we'll get to talk about Matt's boy, Antonio Brown. So we will be back at it Uh, in a couple of days that does it for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at davecaven ff and at matt oracle thanks to bet online for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy you believe it